Good morning again, everyone. I hope everyone's well. In my hands, I hold communion emblems. Last week, like a bonehead, I forgot to do communion. So we are going to uh, observe communion today. I have it in my notes, so I will not forget. Um, Sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, Today we are kicking off a two-week financial mini-series. We're calling it Beyond Your Means. And uh, for some people, money matters way too much. For other people, they don't understand how important it actually is. And, and um, our economy has a lot of people really worried right now about like money and financial security. But what does God have to say about, about it? It turns out God has a lot to say about money and possessions and financial security and all of that. Um, Jesus talked a great deal about it. By, by one scholar's count, 16 of Jesus's 38 parables have to do with money and possessions. One out of every 10 verses in the gospel deals with money or mentions money. Uh, There are over 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about money. Why? Because God cares about how, how we use money and how we think about money and how we interact with money. It matters to the Lord. The Bible has a lot to say about it because our attitude about money is important. Understanding our relationship with money as Christ followers is important to the discipleship process. Understanding our relationship with money as Christ followers is important to becoming more like Christ. It, it, it just is. First, I want to put, uh, put your hearts and minds at ease for a second. Uh, people get kind of wiggly when church starts talking about money, like, oh gosh, here we go. They just want my money. They just want more of my money. Let me assure you, this is about what I want for you, not about what I want from you. I don't want more money from you. I want you to experience the, the blessings that God has for you. I want you to experience the joy of financial health. Most importantly, I want you to experience the true riches of this life. That's what I want for you. I don't want anything from you. With that said, I want to jump into the message with a short story. Um, I'm pretty sure this is a true story, um, but I'm going to read it to you really quickly, and then, and then we'll, we'll jump into the message. It says, James Marshall left his family's home in New Jersey as a young man, and like so many others, began a migration west. After contracting malaria while living in Missouri, he was advised to go further west, and in 1845, he arrived in California. He worked a number of different jobs and served in the Army during the Mexican-American War in 1846. When he got out, a man he had earlier befriended, John Souter, entered a partnership agreement with Marshall to build a sawmill. When they discovered that the spillway they had constructed was too narrow to handle the amount of water needed to operate the mill, they began, to, uh, they began the process of enlarging it. On the morning of January 24, 1848, as Marshall examined the channel, he found large flakes of pure gold, sparking one of the greatest rushes in history. But Marshall did not profit from his discovery. The mill project failed. His mines did not produce a vineyard he bought went bankrupt. In his old age, reduced to abject poverty, Marshall died alone in a small shack. 
it's too easy for us to put our trust in money. It's way too easy. It's too easy for us to put our trust in, in finances and wealth and possession. If God blesses us and, and, and we begin to accumulate financial resources, we have to be extra diligent about guarding against idolatry in that area. We have, to, we have to be on guard of, of that. Paul, the, the Apostle Paul instructed his protege, protege Timothy to issue a warning to Timothy's church about this. You cannot let money become an idol. Timothy had a bunch of rich people in his church, and this was becoming an issue. Paul instructed Timothy, you have to warn them. Do not let this become an idol. And there's a word for idolatry of money. That word? Greed. Greed is, is such an evil-sounding word. And in, in my mind, this word greed stirs up thoughts of like a supervillain cackling as he's counting mounds of golden coins, right? It's almost cartoonish, but like that's what I think of. I think of greed that way, but greed's not always that obvious. Greed is not always that obvious, uh, even when it has a tight grip on, grip on someone's life. In fact, greed can des- destroy people's lives without them even recognizing it. Greed can mask itself as, as, man, I'm just trying to take care of my family. Or, man, I, I just, I'm really driven in my career and I just want to advance. Greed can mask itself that way. And greed can infiltrate our lives without us even knowing it. The shift from healthy to unhealthy desire happens when accumulating wealth or, or possessions becomes an end itself instead of a, a way to love people better. is a dangerous desire that can make us waste away on the inside. What do we do when handling money and financial pressures feels like navigating a minefield? What do we do with that? What, what do we do with that? What, what is a Christ follower's relationship with money supposed to look like with, with financial resources? What is a Christ follower's financial resources like use? What is it supposed to look like? Today, I want to look at the scriptures and see what the scriptures have to teach us about this because I think the scriptures have something really profound to share with us today in this area of finances and possessions and, and wealth. But before I turn to the scriptures, let's pray this morning. God, I need you. I need you to speak today because I'm nothing. I'm nobody. I don't have anything good to say, but you are good, and your word is good. And I pray, God, that your word would pierce our hearts today, pierce my heart Teach me something, God, about, about this area of finances that maybe I never knew before or maybe I never thought about. God, I need you. Have your way, Holy Spirit. We love you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, you can open it up or turn it on to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, to give you a little bit of context, remember I always preach from there, and then if we're going to understand how the Bible applies here and now, we have to understand what it meant there and then. First Timothy is a, a letter from the Apostle Paul to, um, to his, um, like, uh, what's, what's the word, I mean, protege, the, um, like, uh, <laughs> what's the, apprentice, his apprentice, right? Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to his apprentice, Timothy. He taught Timothy basically how to be a pastor of people. And he's writing, Timothy's writing him a letter saying, hey, I've got all these issues going on. And the Apostle Paul writes a letter back. This is how you deal with those issues. And this is a portion of the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. 
First Timothy chapter six, starting in verse five. It says, these people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become healthy. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. The Apostle Paul here, he's talking about, he's talking about people who teach godliness as a way to accumulate money, as a way to accumulate wealth, as a way to get rich. Now, um, I didn't grow up in church um, I didn't grow up like in the church world, but that verse makes me think of televangelism in the 80s and 90s. That's just what I think about. Um, I didn't, again, I'm, I'm old enough to remember the height of televangelism in the 80s and 90s. Now, if you don't know what televangelism is, um, it's, it was a way for evangelist preachers to be able to um, reach a broad audience with the gospel. They would have these conferences of, in, in these auditoriums of thousands of people, but then it would be televised over entire regions, maybe even nationally. And so like they were called televangelists. Um, and, and why I bring this up is because some of these televangelists use their platforms to become really, really rich. They, they would use their position to deceive people, to gain tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, sometimes even millions of dollars. Now, this is what I think of when I read this verse. Now, really quickly, I am not discounting all televangelists or their ministries. I'm not doing that. Um, God has used many ministers in this way to reach thousands of people in a powerful way. My grandmother has been blessed over and over by televangelists. I mean, seriously, like I can remember her watching watching these things on TV as a kid and, and just how, like, the, the way it built her faith was amazing. So I'm not discounting all televangelists, but it is documented that some of them did this for money. That is, it is documented. And so that's what I think of when I read that verse. Verse six, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. True godliness with contentment is great wealth. In a world that tells you take care of yourself first, in a world that tells you get yours, in a world that tells you get as much as you can, as fast as you can, the Apostle Paul says real wealth, real wealth is becoming more and more like Christ and being okay with that. That's real wealth. That's, that's what, what true wealth is. True godliness with contentment is great wealth in itself. Verse 7, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. This is a direct reference that the Apostle Paul is making to the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 21. In, in the book of Job, in the Old Testament, the main character, Job, he is like the epitome of, of wealth. He has so much money. He has so much livestock. He has so much land, and he has like 10 kids. And in the first chapter, he loses it all. All the money is stolen, all the, the cattle, or all the livestock is taken, and, and his kids die. He loses it all, and this is his response. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Apostle Paul is giving this as a tangible example of what true godliness with contentment looks like. The Lord's given, and he, he's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 8. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. 
This verse is another reference to the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 and 9. Proverbs is a book of wisdom, and it's got general sayings about just wise things in life. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8 and 9 say this. First, help me never tell, to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. True godliness with contentment, that's real wealth. Verse 9, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. This is still another reference to the Old Testament. Uh, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 4. I'm not going to read it. You can go read it yourself. But, but Paul keeps referencing Scripture here because Scripture has a lot to say about money and riches and finances. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. This is one of the most misquoted verses in all of Scripture. I need us to understand what it actually says. Oftentimes, people quote it as money is the root of all evil, and that is a misquote. <laughs> what it says is the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money Hear me, money is amoral. Money isn't good, money isn't bad, it is neutral. Money is a tool, and the effectiveness of money depends on the hands that it is in. Just like a hammer or a saw, money is a tool, right? You put a hammer in the hand of a carpenter, you're, it's, it's harmless, and it's going to produce something beautiful and high quality. You put money in the, or you put a hammer in the hands of a violent criminal, and it becomes really dangerous really quick. Money is the same way. Money's effectiveness is, is dependent upon the hands that are, it's in. Money is amoral. So the Apostle Paul is addressing an issue that uh, not many people are comfortable talking about. He's talking about money. He's talking about our attitude towards it. He's talking about how we use it, our, our, its, its role in our lives, its role in our, our thoughts. In, in my experience in ministry, um, I have observed that most people are way more, way more comfortable openly talking about sex than they are talking about money. That's like serious. Like people would rather talk about sex and their sex life than they want to talk about their money because money's a private thing. For most people, money is a private thing. But the Apostle Paul is saying we have to see it differently. We have to approach it differently. And we have to respond differently than the world responds. The way we handle our money matters, it matters to the Lord. The Apostle Paul says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Well, another way of talking about the love of money is. Greed. Greed. Greed does weird things to even the best of us, right? It, it really does. Greed turns the best people into, man, just some degenerates sometimes. Like, it's, it's crazy. Anybody who sets their heart on handling money the way God asks us to constantly has to um, fight against the pull of greed, Anybody who wants to handle their money in a godly way has to fight against the pull of greed. We have to. Greed is, is that constant tug to accumulate more and more for yourself. Not that things, are, things aren't bad, right? Having, having nice things, that's not bad. That's not what I'm saying. 
but the constant tug to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate and keep getting more and keep getting more, that's greed. And that's the thing that we have to fight. Greed keeps us from living contentedly in true godliness. So what do we do? What do we do to escape the trap of greed? Because that's what I think greed is. Greed is a trap. You can, you can be the most selfless person, and if you're not diligent, you're going to fall into a trap of greed because we, it's just natural. We want more and more. So what do we do to escape the trap of greed, the trap of accumulating more? The first thing I think we can do to escape the trap of greed is this. Think rightly about getting money. Think rightly about getting money. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 and 18 say this. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. A few weeks ago, we examined Romans chapter 12. And in verse 2, it's, it's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. And it says, let God transform you by renewing your mind it all starts in our mind it all starts in our in our our thought processes our thought life so how do we help ourselves think rightly about getting money there's a couple there's a few things i think we can do to help us think rightly about getting money first we have to view riches as temporary we have to. We have to view riches as temporary. The, the apostle paul referenced the book of job and made the claim that we can't take anything with us we can't take anything with us. Nothing that we have is going with us when we, when we pass on. Riches are temporary. Your bank account, your uh, retirement account, your investments, or you know, whatever, your, um, your uh, properties that you own, nothing. None of that is going with you after you're done here. We have to view, we have to view riches as what they are, temporary. Another thing we can do um, to, to help us think rightly about getting money is value contentment over conquest. Value contentment over conquest. This is hard because contentment uh, or a conquest is baked into our DNA as Americans. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? That pursuit of happiness piece can turn into that greed. It can turn into that conquest. I just want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. And it seems the more we get, the less we're satisfied. Being grateful for what we have is more valuable than getting more and more. The next thing we can do to think rightly about getting money is confront the pull of riches. Confront the pull of riches. The enticement of riches and possessions is always there. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be something that we have to manage, always. It's natural to want more money because more money um, can get you more stuff and more stuff can make you more comfortable and we think that more comfort means less problems. And I don't know, I don't know if that's true. So, but, but we think it is and so we have to constantly confront that pull of riches. We, ha we have to acknowledge the pull of riches and confront it, not ignore it if we're gonna think rightly about getting money. And, and uh, the fourth thing, that we can do to help us think rightly about getting money is love people more than money. Love people more than money. Like I said earlier, money is, is a tool. Money is a tool and, and um, we, we only we don't use it to like cut boards or like strike nails, right? Uh, as children of God, we should use the resources that God has given us to take care of people. 
Because people are what matter to him. So people should matter to us. And the resources he's given us, our time, our talents, our treasures, we should use those resources to take care of people. That's why we're here. That's our purpose, to love God, love people. One way to begin thinking rightly about getting money is to love people more than money. The thing that helps me helps me continue to think rightly about getting money is that everything comes from God anyways. Everything I have belongs to him. My, my, uh, my position here as, as the pastor anchor, that's from God. I didn't make that happen. God, God did that. My, the, 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 the paycheck that I'm able to get, that is from the Lord. That's not something that I made happen. The cars that my wife and I drive, the house that we live in, that is from God. And so when, when I begin to see everything through a lens of like, it's his, it's his, and he's put it in my hands to steward it, it changes the way I think about getting money. Because that's reality. Everything is his, I'm just a steward of it. Everything is his, but what he's given you, you're just a steward of some of us have more resources than, than others. Some of us have, have different resources, but they're all resources and they're all from God and they're all put in our hands to steward them for him. And because I'm a steward of the resources that God has given me, I, try, I do my best to try and have open hands with the, my time, with my talents, with my treasures. So the first thing we can do to escape the trap of greed is think rightly about getting money. The second thing we can do to escape the trap of greed is think rightly about investing. Think rightly about investing. Matthew chapter 6 verse 20 says, Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Anyone who knows anything about money knows that you shouldn't just save your money you should also invest it. Now, in, in, my, in my old age, I am learning that you don't just invest in any old investment, right? You don't just invest in any old thing, in any old stock. You, you choose what or who you invest your money in based on your values. You choose who or, in, or what you, bet you invest your money in based on what you believe in because who or what you invest in matters. As far as the stock market goes, if uh, you, you want to invest your money in businesses that you believe in. You do. You, you want to invest your money in businesses that you believe are on the rise as far as the stock market goes. Or most people, a lot of people, I shouldn't say most, a lot of people align themselves. They, they invest in businesses that, that have the same values that they do. Now, I have to be very clear. This is not financial advice. I am not offering financial advice to anybody. I know next to nothing about any of this stuff. I'm just offering observations. So if you make uh, choices based on what I said, like I am not liable. So just, just saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> so as, a, as Christ followers, what kinds of things should we be investing our money in? I think that's a good question to ask. Generally speaking, we should be investing our resources, our time, our talents, our treasures in advancing the kingdom of God here on earth. That's what we should be spending our money on. That's what we should be spending our time on. That's what we should be giving our talents to is advancing the kingdom of God here on earth now. 
we should be investing in feeding the hungry. We should be investing in clothing the naked. We should be investing in, in caring for the sick and the infirmed. Jesus said in Matthew 25, when you do those things to the least of my brothers and sisters, you do them to me. When we, when we care for those who can't care for themselves, we're caring for Christ. When we feed the hungry, we're feeding Christ. When we clothe the naked, we're feeding, or we're, we're clothing Christ. Like, investing and caring for people, that's what we should be investing our time, talents, and treasures in. That's one of the reasons I'm so excited about Extravaganza. It's, a, it's a, ch- a chance for us to invest in our community. It's a chance for us to serve and love our community. And it's, it's beautiful, man. It's, I'm, I'm so, so excited about it. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned uh, Martha Gary. Uh, if, if you didn't hear that or you forgot, Martha Gary is the founder of uh, Milford Advocacy for the Homeless. And um, that's, what she, that's what she does. She cares for those who don't, in our community who don't have a roof over their head right now. And she does some amazing things. She set up uh, laundry for them. She set up meals for them and, and rides. And she got them bikes. And, I mean, just cool things, cool things. Um, one day, as I listened to her talk, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, Ryan, this is, a, this is something that you can invest in. This is, this is an opportunity that your church can invest in. We can get behind this cause. Now, after praying about it, after thinking about it, after talking with, with some, some people that I, I really trust, I really believe that, uh, that next week we need to take a special offering for Milford Advocacy for the Homeless. Um, they are in need of a bus to help them transport food and other supplies to the people that they serve. And, and when I heard Martha talk about this, I was like, something in me left. I was like, man, we can do that. We can help them get a bus. So next week, we're going to take a special offering um, to help them out. Now, you might hear this and think, Pastor Ryan, didn't you say at the beginning you weren't going to ask for more of my money? I did say that. I did say that. But I want to be very clear. Again, I'll restate this is not about what I want from you. This is about what I want for you. I want you to experience the blessing of being able to pour into our community, the blessing of being able to help disadvantaged people. I did say that. But I also want to give us a practical next step as far as this principle of investing rightly goes. I want to give us a tangible, immediate next step for us to be able to invest our money rightly. Now, uh, also, let me reassure you that every single penny that comes in for that special offering will go to Milford Advocacy for the Homeless. None of it's coming to me. None of it's staying in the church. Like, we're just a, a vehicle to help get, it, get them the money. So the special offering that we're taking next week, every single penny is going to Milford Advocacy for the Homeless. You're not giving to me. You're not giving to the Anchor Church. You're giving to help Milford Advocacy for the Homeless. So that's what the special offering is. So I, I want to ask you, please be praying that the Holy Spirit would speak to you about what to give, how to give next week when we take that special offering, whether it's a dollar or a million dollars. Like, my, my, my heart is that you're obedient to the one that you call Lord. 
So let's be praying this week about that. So the first thing we can do to escape the trap of greed is think rightly about getting money. The second thing we can do to escape the trap of greed is think rightly about investing. The last thing I want to talk about today that we can do to escape the trap of greed is think rightly about accounting. Think rightly about accounting. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says this, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. We're all going to be held accountable for how we stewarded the resources God has placed in our possession. Every single one of us are going to be held accountable for it. For the good, the bad, every single one of us. Now, again, the Lord has blessed us each differently, and he's placed different resources in our possession, but we're each going to be judged by him for how we stewarded those resources. Now, really quickly, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. I'm not trying to make anyone feel afraid or, or manipulate through fear. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is present the reality that we are accountable for, for what we do with what he's given us. That is reality. We will be judged on how we steward what the Lord has given us. A little, a little, little further clarification. Um, judgment is not condemnation. Judgment does not equal condemnation. They're different. Condemnation, as defined by the dictionary, is the expression of very strong disapproval. Judgment is the ability to come to sensible conclusions. Judgment does not equal condemnation. God's not, this, this scripture isn't saying that God is going to condemn anyone based on their stewardship, but he is going to hold us accountable. He's going to judge our actions. This uh, reminds me of a portion of the Gospel of Luke. In, in Luke 21, Jesus actually flips our idea of what's acceptable to God on its head. Luke 21, verse four, uh, 1 through 4 says this, While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, the poor widow has given more than all the rest, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. We have this idea that God is interested in us giving more and more, that, that somehow God is more pleased with us the more we give. And, and this scripture refutes that. It's not about the amount. It's not about how much. It's about the heart behind the amount. It's about the heart behind why you're giving. The rich people that Jesus was talking about gave what they could spare without feeling the pain of sacrifice. The, the poor woman gave what she had regardless of the pain it caused her lifestyle. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. God is not after your money. He's not after your money. He's after your heart. I'm not interested in getting more money, I'm interested in you, again, you being obedient to the one you call Lord. If, if Jesus is your Lord, if he's saved you, I'm interested in you being obedient to him. That's what I'm interested in. This is not about what I want from you. It's 100% about what I want for you. One of our, our core values here is, is giving um, because I believe giving makes us more like Christ. 
It does. Giving makes us more like Jesus. When we give with the right motivation, we come to know Christ better. In John 3.16, Jesus said that God showed his love to the world by giving. For this is how God loved the world. He gave. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The whole goal of all of this is to become more like Christ. And if that's the goal, if that's the goal, then giving has to be a part of who we are. It's a non-negotiable. If becoming more like Christ is the goal and Christ gave everything, we have to learn how to be givers. We have to learn how to give out of the right motivation. It has to be a part of who we are. Worship team, you can come to the platform. So the first thing we can do to escape the the trap of greed is think rightly about getting money. The second thing is think rightly about investing. And the the third thing that we talked about was think rightly about accounting. We're all going to be held account for what we do with the resources that God has given us. Now, I know that despite, despite how well I communicated any of this today, um, no matter how well I cast the vision of this not being about God wanting your money, there are going to be some who hear this and say, see, this is proof. This is proof that the church just wants my money. Ultimately, this is between you and God. I'm not going to have individual conversations with you. And be, now, are you guys giving? I'm, it's not going to happen. This is between you and the Lord. How much you give is between you and God. As long as you know that you're accountable for what you do with what he's given you, as long as you know that, I'm good. I don't need, I don't, I'm not concerned about money. I serve the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That's a poetic way of saying God owns everything. He has more than enough to supply and sustain. I don't need more, more of your money because God, God will do it. This is not about what I want from you. This is about what I want for you. I want you to experience the true, true wealth, godliness with contentment. Think rightly about getting money. Think rightly about investing. Think rightly about accounting. Let me pray for you today. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. This is uh, a tough subject. This is uh, a, a difficult word for me, but I need, I need your truth. In, in every area. You're interested in having all of my heart and this is, this is one of the, the most important, what we do with what you've given us. I pray for those, those in the room, God, who may be um, struggling with this word today or, or maybe uh, having issues in the area of finances. God, I pray that you would bring peace to them in the name of Jesus. God, I, I ask for your wisdom in the area of finances right now that God, you would teach us, teach us how to steward well the things you've given us, the resources you've placed in our hands. Teach us how to become more like you. That's that's the ultimate goal, is becoming more like you. Teach us how to do that, God, in the area of finances, in the area of, of stewarding our resources. We love you. We give you glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. If you're here today and, and none of this makes sense because you don't know Christ, today could be the day where all of that changes, where, where, where you can become a, a part of the family of God and you can be 
a child of God and you can be redeemed and, and rescued from the darkness and brought it to the, that can be you today. You can, you can have a relationship with the Lord and experience that great wealth, godliness with contentment. If that's you today, you don't know Christ, but you want to, at the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. There's nothing magical about you raising your hand. There's nothing like weird that's gonna happen. I just wanna know who I'm praying with. So um, with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, I wanna make this a personal moment. If that's you, you say, Pastor Ryan, I don't know Christ, but I want to. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand so that I can pray with you. One, he's after your heart. Two, he wants to make you his child. Three, if that's you right now, raise your hand so that I can pray with you. Raise it high so I know who I'm praying with. Okay, this is what I want to do. I want us to, to all pray together. And um, I want to I lead us in a prayer. I want to ask everyone in the room to, to repeat um, so that nobody feels singled out or, or picked on or anything like that. Um, but repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, today I recognize that I've fallen short of your standard. Today I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. I repent and I turn to you. Change the way I think. Teach me how to be like you. I confess that you are Lord. I believe that uh, God raised you from the dead. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and grace. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 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 Can we give it up for those who prayed that prayer today? That's awesome. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or, or maybe maybe you walked away from Christ and, and you're, you're back, welcome home. Welcome home. I believe it's the best decision you'll ever make. Um, if you did pray that prayer for the first time or you're, you're coming back, let, let us know. Uh, we have resources out in the lobby that we want to put in your hands. We don't want you to do this, this thing alone. And so um, let us know um, that you prayed that prayer and we want to get you started off on the right foot. Uh, right now what we're going to do is we're going to observe communion. So get your communion emblems ready. And um, I want to read Luke 22, 19 through 20 to you. Before I do that, um, 1 Corinthians says that, that we should examine ourselves before we, we partake of the Lord's Supper. We need to examine ourselves to, to make sure we're, we're not taking it in vain, to make sure we remember why we're doing it. And so um, I just want to take a, a silent moment just to examine, just for you to examine you. Examine your life, examine your, your week, your, your month, how things have been going. And if there's any area that you need to make right with the Lord, now is the time to do it. So let's take a moment and let's examine ourselves.
on the night that Jesus was going to be betrayed, he um, sat down and he was having dinner with his disciples and he was teaching them all sorts of things. He was kind of giving them some some last words. He was downloading a lot of information because he knew it was going to be the last time that he talked with them as, you know, that that night before before his death. And then there's a moment in the dinner where he took he took bread and he took a cup of wine and he did this. And Luke chapter 22 verse 19 says this. He took some bread. He gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we, re- as we remember the sacrifice the Lord made, let's, let's partake of the bread together this morning. Verse 20 says, after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. As we remember the sacrifice of Jesus going to the cross and spilling his blood for the remission of our sins, let's, let's partake of the cup together this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you for giving your son. You loved us so much that you gave. Thank you. Thank you, God. The worship team's gonna lead us in a response time for a few minutes. Um, I wanna encourage you, don't don't rush out just yet. Um, allow God to, to work in your heart this morning. If there's there's something that 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 he needs to put his finger on, let him, let him go there. Um, the worship team is going to lead us briefly in a song and then, um, and then I'll come back, back up and dismiss us, but let's not rush through this moment. Let's, let's respond to his spirit right now. Stand with me if you want. You can sit, you can pray, you can meditate, whatever you need to do, but um, stand if you want to. Otherwise, um, you can stay seated. The worship team is going to lead us. He's after, he's after our heart. Anchor Church, I don't think I can say it enough. He's after our heart. It's not about what he wants from you. It's about what he wants for you. God, teach us. Teach us, God. We yield to you, Father. Holy Spirit, we say, have your way in our lives. Do what you will. Thank you, God. We love you. Really quickly, before I dismiss, we have some next steps um, that I want to give us, some, some, some tangible things that we can do to take the message and apply it to our lives. Uh, the first next step this is, is this week I will memorize 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. It says, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. I want us to remember that. That's what great wealth is. True godliness with contentment. The next uh, next step is uh, this week I will pray about giving to the special offering for Milford Advocacy for the Homeless. Again, whether it's a dollar or it's a million dollars, I just want you to be obedient. 
That's, that's what I'm concerned about, is, is us being obedient. And the last one, this week, I will allow God to examine me about the area of finances. This, again, this is a place that we don't like to let anybody go to. But, but God has some things to say about how we about how we approach this area of our lives, about how we steward the things he's given us. So um, I want to encourage you, allow him to go there. Allow him to go there. Uh, let me pray one last time and we can, we can be dismissed. God, we love you. Thank you um, for your blessings. God, I ask that you bless us as we go. Um, bless, bless the week. Teach us how to, how to um, be more like you. Give us opportunities to experience your love this week in maybe ways that we never have before. We love you, God. Give you all the glory. And then finally, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. 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 Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for worshiping with us today. Have a great week. We will see you next time.